Hello creatives, Jay here, and you are listening to episode 20 of 99% Perspiration. bring you interviews and advice from today's creative and artistic professionals so that you can get the inspiration, the confidence and the know-how to turn your creative calling into a career. On episode 20 of 99% Perspiration. For me, I've worked damn hard to get where I am and I have hustled and I have pulled things out of nowhere. I have turned around and I've talked people into doing things. I've talked myself into doing things. You know, I've done so much because I hustle. Tiffany Rouge is the marketing and events coordinator for the Richmond Hotel in Adelaide. Since I recorded with Tiffany a couple of months ago, she's also become a radio producer at Fresh 92.7. But as you'll hear throughout the episode, Tiff's interests and passions vary across fashion, events, and radio. And she's got a ton of internship experience to pass on as well. XFM was the worst slash best thing that I've ever done in my life in terms of radio because it was the hardest thing. You know, there were times in London when I would have to leave the studio because I would walk out crying. And these days, you know, I've learned not to let all that sort of stuff bother me. And Ed Westman is a freelance video content creator based in Sunderland. At the moment, he's the video producer within the University of Sunderland's Marketing and Communications Department. Never ever make fan films. Ever. Ain't nobody gonna hire you because you love Star Wars. They're gonna hire you because of what you can do and how you can apply that. I do a little freelance filming myself, but what I love about Ed is you can tell he really understands his craft. He's always learning something new, always practicing with and reading about his equipment and trends in technology. And he's got some great tips in store if you're interested in working in freelance video. It's all very well watching as many kind of movies as, as you can. It's all very well understanding film backwards and forwards. Eventually, you're going to start sort of circling the same points. I would say that a very important thing is to graze, which basically means try to find knowledge in places that you would not otherwise find. And as usual, we like to feature a music artist each week on 99%. Bit of a flashback to episode 6 here, where we featured the gorgeous sounds of Huddersfield-based band MXI. If you love these guys, you can find them on Twitter, at WeAreMXI, or check them out on SoundCloud, where you can hear a ton of beautiful tracks. To stay in touch with 99% Perspiration, you can find us on Twitter at 99podcast. Our website is 99podcast.com, and we have a growing creative network on Facebook where people swap ideas, and you can find that by searching for 99% Perspiration Creative Community. Almost everybody who picks up a camera or wants to go to film school or wants to make films wants to make Star Wars or they want to make Pulp Fiction. It's either Star Wars or Pulp Fiction. I mean, I remember talking to a student about it, so I was kind of mentoring him a little bit. And he had this big book of all these ideas for a fantasy story. And he, I think, was a little uncertain about what he was going to do next because I think in his mind, if he wasn't doing that, all his creativity was gone. 
what I just said to him was, you know, you've still got those ideas, you know, don't throw them away. That may very well be the next avatar. But uh, you've got to take that kind of creativity that you have when you're creating a giant space opera or whatever it is and just funnel it in a different direction. Take that same enthusiasm and then apply it to something completely different because then that becomes a challenge. That becomes something exciting. That then becomes, okay, how do we then, how do I then make this ambitious? Yeah, I am quite lucky in the way that like the way of life is that you need a job to support yourself to live. And as a creative getting that job that you want to be able to express yourself creatively all the time and, and, you know, your your main goal and your main creative goal and to get paid for that is quite a long, sometimes treacherous journey. And you often need to have a job to support you doing your creative love in your own time because, let's face it, that ability or that that position to, to get paid to do what you love doesn't happen easily or to everyone and you know you got bills to pay at the end of the day everybody's got bills to pay and you know you want to live so I think I'm quite lucky in a way that my job lets me express myself creatively as well as pay my bills yes it's not the job that I want to do it's not my end goal but I guess I'm still kind of figuring out what my end goal is. Like for years it was radio and I I forever wanted to work at Triple J, which is the Australian version of Radio 1. It took me overseas and I was pursuing this goal. And then I got back to Adelaide and I was like, holy crap, I'm really good at this whole talking to people and organizing stuff. How, How do I do both of them, you know? And I feel like I still have that goal and that want to do radio and to be a presenter and I'm actively making steps towards that goal but I know that I don't know like I'm a huge believer in just doing things for the sake of doing them. I'm fortunate enough with what I do at Sunderland that it's kind of a safety net at this moment where I can at least count on something being there that you know heaven forbid you know I don't get that much work outside the university that I can still have something to kind of rely on. When I've done freelance stuff outside the university, there's been, I've done work with Three Motion Media, uh, kind of like an evening with a guy called Simon Reeve, who uh, who did a BBC series called Sacred Rivers. He's a kind of traveler. He looks like Professor Brian Cox, but he kind of travels around, goes to tropical places and things. He's swum with manatees and stuff. He was at the Hancock Museum and he was giving this talk there. And uh, like you attach the radio mic to him. He's very pleasant and stuff. And then there's this video I did with Three Motion Media for the Great North Run. And this was a project where this was kind of the first time I worked with Three Motion. And um, if you're a freelance videographer out there, I would say really do send your stuff over to Three Motion Media. They are always looking for for freelancers. And, you know, if you're good enough, they'll take you on. I've been reading lots of stuff about how, you know, perfecting your elevator pitch. And I'm a talker. I like to, like, tell really long-winded stories that haven't actually gone anywhere or done lots of things. And right now I'm stalling because I have no idea. <laughs> uh, like, I was reading something and it was like, um, to refine your elevator pitch, you need to first look at what your superpower is. And then you can kind of hone in on that and go, this is how I use my superpower to do all the things I do in my daily life. I thought about it for ages. I'm like, what is my superpower? And like, I, I, I really make use of post-it notes. I put them everywhere, especially on my mirror because I'm a girl, I, I do makeup and I look at these things every day, right? Sometimes I don't even notice that I'm looking at them, but often, you know, I'll look at it and be like, oh yeah, well, I wonder what my superpower is. 
And then one day it just occurred to me that my whole life, yes, I come from like a privileged upbringing because I'm white, I'm Australian, all that other jazz, I, I accept that. But for me, I've worked damn hard to get where I am and I have hustled and I have pulled things out of nowhere. I have turned around and I've talked people into doing things. I've talked myself into doing things. You know, I've done so much because I hustle. And in that way, I just, like a hustler, just does stuff. They get stuff done and they do whatever means possible. And I think that's my superpower because, yes, everything that I do is different, but I just do it and I, like, make things happen. When you're at university, find out what your field is going to be, what what your what your craft is going to be. After I'd graduated, I wasn't quite sure. I figured, well, I can't really put myself off as as across as a filmmaker. So I said, okay, I'll try graphic design. And I didn't really get a handle on graphic design because I think one thing you realise with graphic design is that's a very complicated field, and you may have a brief understanding of it, but there's so much more to it. And then I do things here and there. I did a couple of fundraising jobs at the Tyneside Cinema, where first one was raising money for the Northern Stars, second one was raising money for the Tyneside's big renovation. So I was still very close to film there. Through 2010 all the way through the 2014, I was uh, doing volunteer work with a, a local charity called Digital Voice, uh, who specialise in basically making little videos and films for... Uh, minority groups or 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 poor communities and that was very that was quite interesting so i occasionally would we would collaborate with video companies like um, phantom line who are based in gateshead and it was around sort of 2010 time that the kind of the dslr explosion was beginning to happen that was where you got the canon 5Ds and the 550Ds and the Nikon cameras were really starting to sort of come into the fore because before then when you're at university this kind of puts the puts the puts the miles on me, on me now but basically uh, in second year we were still using the PD150 which is this miserable like mini DV camera I mean I, I can see you raising your eyebrows already it's like what, what, what what's this thing but with the DSLR it suddenly became this new thing where it's like okay it's like a photography camera you swap the lenses around you have a thing that looks that is HD video but it looks somewhat like film and you can do a fairly condensed version of slow motion on it the results were really very interesting and it's they're fairly robust cameras in their own little way that kind of really opened up a whole different avenue of how accessible filmmaking could really be the moment you even get like a 550D you suddenly could make something, providing you stayed at the peak settings, you could produce something that looked basically like professional independent film. I mean, these are cameras that, if you ever see the documentary, the documentary which I really recommend side by side, these were cameras that were basically designed at the request of AP and Reuters for their news crews for online video, but then suddenly they were, the 70s and the 5Ds were then being adopted by independent filmmakers there have been films made on these cameras the subway scenes of black swan were filmed on them and there's i think there's a there's a film of jennifer lawrence and anton yelkin i can't remember what it's called but that was filmed with the 7d and it's just like two or three thousand pound camera you know once again it sort of opens up this just how accessible a lot of this stuff is 
moment I'm the marketing coordinator for the Hotel Richmond, which is a boutique independent hotel in Adelaide. I took up the job uh, about six months ago and actually my brother used to work there five years ago and it was still, it had that branding of it's fashionable, it's suave, it's sophisticated. I, I took up the job as a marketing coordinator and I just thought about like, you know, where does this place need to go? How, how can we build business? And a lot of the guys that I spoke to, because it, it when, when something's fashionable and it's trendy and it's a bar, and it, like when it looks the way that the Hotel Richmond does, it sort of appeals to women. And you think that that's a good thing, right? Like, okay, a bar appeals to women, it mm. brings all the women, and then all the guys come. Hmm. So I thought about it. I was like, how do I make this more accessible and more like easier for people to realize that, hey, like the, the place isn't too good for you? Because a lot of guys that I spoke to, they're like, yeah, it's too good for me. It's, it's a bit suave, it's sophisticated, and it's too out there, too suave for me. I'm, I'm not that cool. When really, everyone's welcome. It's just that you know, people have that mentality of it. Because I grew up in Adelaide, I'm friends with a, like, quite a lot of people and I was actually working for a radio station, um, which I'll come back to. Uh, I made a radio documentary about South Australian style and whether or not Adelaideans have it. And I got talking to a whole bunch of local designers that don't have shops, that were very small, and this, this piece unfolded into something that like it showed me that there was an industry there and that it's thriving and it's a great thing to be a part of. So I used that and I got chatting with a friend of mine who I used in the interview for the radio documentary. And we sat down one day and she was like, why don't we put on parades? Why don't we just do this thing and, and like see how we go? And I thought that is a great idea. And she'd done a few free parades before so we approached all these people and like we, we approached an independent model agency an independent hairdresser uh, like a, a very well-known makeup company like cosmetics company but had the right ethos with what we were trying to do and they just all got on board and we put on these free fashion parades that were held in this bar and we didn't pay for any advertising we didn't do any sort of normal method of communication we just put it on Facebook we just put the word out there and the first one happened and it was 50 people. And we were like, okay, well, I don't really know if that's good because I've never done this before. But, you know, my friend assured me like, yes, 50 people is good. You know, you would have only had 10 in here. So five times that amount is awesome. And I was like, yeah, that's true. It was a huge learning curve for me because I'd never done anything before. I'd never approached people and be like, hey, do you want to come and be a part of this thing and like give up your time for free? And I think the thing that you learn with all that is people, the worst thing they're going to do is say no and then you just go somewhere else and ask someone else if they want to be involved. And, you know, eventually, you ask enough people, you're going to get the right ones that'll be wanting to be a part of what you're doing. First we had 50 and then the second one I was just still putting out stuff on, on Facebook and we had like a local free press approach us and say hey and it's a very well known free press it's called um, Rip It Up. They were like hey um, we heard about this thing that you do can we cover it? I'm like hell yes you can cover it. Quickly wrote up a media release sent that out and then the next one we had like 150 people rock up so it was like 50 to 150 people and it was crazy to see that all of these people were here that was the second and, and like I'm gonna do the fifth one on Friday and we've consistently held about 150 to 200 people 
coming through these doors and, and often it is the same people that come and they bring their friends and they bring their family members and all that sort of thing. I've built a community of people who look at fashion as if it's approachable. Like it's a good sort of way to connect with other people and expand this whole environment. So yeah, like it, it's crazy to, to now see that when I walk amongst these people, they're like, hey Tiff, how are you doing? Like they all know that this is what this is what I'm trying to do, and I'm trying to bring people together who see fashion as something that you can really be a part of. I studied at Sunderland University from 2007 through to 2010. My kind of focus was kind of directing, which is a little tricky seeing as you really... If I were to give any advice to anyone, I would say learn a trade, which directing can be a fairly nebulous trade in which you kind of, in some capacities, have your hands in a lot of in a lot of areas. A great place to sort of set you... to sort of put yourself across perfectnortheastwedding.co.uk is the place to go if you want to set yourself up. I know a few people who are on there and they get regular work and this is where it comes down to how, how do you sort of promote yourself online. Um, when I, It's interesting when I started at the University of Sunderland I was still very green. I pretty much had a CV and I had a showreel on YouTube. Being a marketing team they quite often the people they hire whether it be graphic designers they will have portfolios online or a website and I would strongly recommend that, especially if you're doing video editing or videography. In a way, making your showreel is almost kind of redundant if what you do is editing and filming and shooting. Like, I mean, a videographer quite often will be all of those things. You're better off basically putting your work in a big kind of in a big kind of portfolio on a website because then people will then be able to see on a project by project basis what your skills are. Because the problem is if you basically are an editor and people want to see your editing skills and you've made a very flashy uh, kind of basically a music video, this kind of montage video set to clips of things that you've done, they're not going to get an understanding of how good of an editor you are. So this is where a website portfolio is probably the best thing you do. I do have a showreel, but it's like less than 30 seconds long and it basically has a call to action to my website. The end, it, it almost stays like a joke like a sort of gag really where you, there's like a, a brief clip and then like color bars and then next clip color bars and then basically at the end it's like see more at website and i would also say really do look into your business cards i mean business cards when you're doing video are a tricky thing because you want to give an idea of what you do but a business card by its very nature is essentially a photograph we're not at Harry potter technology yet with like moving pictures so i'd recommend you go to moo.com Find a like a good 10, 15, maybe more of some of those really nice shots, whether it be a bunch of hands gesturing or something that conveys movement or a silhouette, something that really gets across what you can do. My business cards are literally the front side was the picture and then what I do, Ed Westman, video content creator, and then the reverse side of my contact details. I'm very, very lucky to be able to have the ability to just go up to someone and, and like talk to them and not really feel like, uh, you know, like socially awkward or anything like that. You can quite easily get an understanding of what someone's like when you talk to them and, and you know, you ask them their views and stuff and then you go, it's just whether or not you make a judgment and go, okay, this is someone I want to work with or, hey, this is just someone. But that's, it's a skill. It's something that people, like, try and sell you as well, like the power of networking. I mean, you, mm, you seem God, to have it. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know, though, like, I just, I don't even know, like, how it happened or why. It's just something that I, I like, 
I love talking to people. I'm so interested in their stories and I find it fascinating because everyone's had a different walk of life and they've got, you know, perspective is a beautiful thing and I, I love being shared someone else's perspective i've met uh, a couple of other people mostly radio people as well they say just like how fascinated they are on a regular basis by people's stories mm. maybe that's why we get into it because we want to hear other people's stories and we just have that genuine interest in people and what makes them tick and stuff and uh, yeah, i don't know like when i meet someone new i'm like i want i want to know what drives you like what, what makes you get out of bed in the morning and you know it's just there's so many different ways and interpretations of how people see life a lot of the stuff i've learned i've learned through the mistakes i've made one of the biggest mistakes you can make is when you're talking to someone about what you do and then you basically tell them oh my website is edwestman.co.uk remember that edwestman.co.uk they're going to forget about that in five minutes five seconds afterwards if you've got a business card then you know they know what that is and then they have less reason to forget it because you've at least got the confidence that you've actually given them something physical. So once again, moo.com is the place to go. If you can also get the little, you can get this really cool kind of like black business card wallet which like flips open and stuff. It's like the Neuralizer from Men in Black. Kind of comes up and that's really fun. If I had like a bunch of advice I would give to anybody doing a video, I would say the first one would be refine your craft figure out what your house style is so to speak you can either learn from the greats in a way you sort of learn from the films you watch you learn from the kind of skills you pick up from certain places but also just do what kind of in that sense kind of makes sense for you in terms of what you stylistically like if you can apply it to a kind of a marketing or sort of storytelling formula well i'd probably say more storytelling one sometimes i will go between if the story calls for a lot of movement, a lot of handheld camera, that's what I'll do. If the story calls for static camera, that's what you do. But you perfect your craft and you keep understand more about how editing works, how cutting, how filming works and all those things of that nature. I didn't even realize how much I knew about radio until I was put in the position of being in charge of a show. Because as a producer, you're 100% in charge of the show. You decide what they talk about, you decide when the stuff that has to go to air goes to air, you decide when the sweepers play, you decide when the talent does a liner, it's all that jazz. And I didn't know that I had it in me, that I could control that, because I'd only ever self-produced. I had a producer when I was doing a show up in um, in Sunderland at Spark, but it was like I didn't really get them to do much. Like I took charge of everything and I told them what to do, whereas in this point... I was telling this guy what to do and it really moved the show forward and, and you can hear the difference in quality. And I'm not saying it's just because of me, but you know, to an extent it is, but it's also producers provide structure and they are the other person in the room telling you when you need to wrap a link up or answering the phone and, and screening callers and doing all that stuff. And it's made me realise just how important producers are, but also how much of a thankless role being a producer is. Having done it for a big radio station like XFM and done it here, XFM was the worst slash best thing that I've ever done in my life in terms of radio because it was the hardest thing. You know, there were times in London when I would have to leave the studio because I would walk out crying. Because And I, to this day, you know, I can't remember why, but it was so grueling and I took the hits too hard and that sort of thing. And these days, you know, I've learned not to let all that sort of stuff bother me. 
And I see other people get really bothered by the lack of content or they're not getting anywhere in the station or in radio in their life. And it's just one of those things that you kind of got to turn around and be like, all you can try and do is the best that you can. And hopefully at the end of the day, someone will turn around and be like, I saw you doing that. That was awesome. The more people do that, the more you're able to show that you can feel good about where you are and what you're doing creatively. And it sucks because in radio, you need to be the one to tell other people about how good you are, and that's a hard thing to do. My second bit of advice would be never, ever make fan films. Ever. Ain't nobody going to hire you because you love Star Wars. They're going to hire you because of what you can do and how you can apply that. You see someone who has a lot of talent, a lot of imagination, and then they're kind of making spin-off movie starring Darth Vader and Optimus Prime or whatever and it just A, an employer is not going to be impressed by that if you put that on your LinkedIn and B, you're kind of wasting your time because that could have been a breakout that could have been the moment in which someone saw your work and went wow, we should hire this guy to do something and you've kind of but you can't because you've kind of just wasted it on kind of this giddy fan film and no one's going to take that seriously Seen a few fellowships and stuff like the um, This American Life. I was actually just listening to a podcast of theirs earlier. They they look at American stories, and again, you know, it's that interest in people's stories and what they have to say, and making something listenable out of it. So that like NPR and This American Life all offer fellowships, internships, sorts of things, and I just want to try and go there. And if I get into one of them. I'll do that if not I've got one friend who lives in Seattle who works at a radio station so I'm gonna you know just go there obviously I want to document my trip in audio format somehow and I, I you know I'll use that to sort of talk my way into radio stations and then really just see what's going on from there because you know when 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 you're in, when you're in the crew, in the crowd of people and, and, and people accept you, they're going to let you in anywhere, you know. And I, I guess I found that when I was in England, and, and it's great, like the Student Radio Association in England is the best thing for getting you anywhere, getting a leg up in life. And it's something that I'm finding, like a lack of it here, you know, how people break in is so different to how people in England break in and get the jobs you got the student radio. You you are able to be in a room where someone is open to talking to you, talking about yourself. And that's so rare and very hard to get someone in a room willing to listen to you talk about yourself on the fly. SRA, it's expected. So it's crazy because I've been trying to organize those sorts of meetings with PDs, with station managers, with anyone who has anything to do with a radio station and people aren't like that. But once you get past and you actually make friends with these people or, you know, you get into a station and you can assert yourself and everyone knows who you are, opportunities arise. But it's it's getting there and getting to those places. And, you know, again, it's, it's a foot in the door to get a foot in the door. <laughs> it's all very well watching as many kind of movies as, as you can. There's, it's all very well understanding film backwards and forwards eventually you're going to start sort of circling the same points. I would say the very important thing is to graze, which basically means try to find knowledge in places that you would not otherwise find. So, Because that's where you're going to get your ideas. So I would say 
step away from the DVDs or the cinema or whatever and read books. Go to the library, go to the zoo, go to the museum. Find something that isn't out of your typical realm because you will basically build a whole set of ideas that you can then draw upon to to use at a later time. There's only so much imagination that film can or video can really do. That's what I'm always kind of looking for. I'm always looking for something where that's completely different. So how do I apply that to what I do in video? I think every filmmaker in a way is kind of, a, unless you're James Cameron who creates great paintings when he's not making films, there's a lot of filmmakers who are frustrated artists who kind of sucked at art or just find it really frustrating to I mean, in my experience I had such a horrible experience in art class that with these teachers who weren't encouraging and whatever that it's almost traumatizing to then put pen back onto paper so a camera kind of became the most logical next step and sometimes the best ways to do it are kind of are they're not on twitter they're not in a video game they're not in a film they're somewhere else and sometimes you kind of have to sort of look for those whether it's human interaction whether it's you know, the life cycle of, you know, a moth or whether it's the Baltic Art Gallery, you're trying to find inspiration. With the exception of hard drugs, I would say just look for inspirations beyond, beyond simply film. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 20 of 99% Perspiration. As usual, also a big thank you to our guests this week, to Tiffany Rouge from Richmond Hotel in Adelaide and from Fresh 92.7. And also thank you to Ed Westman, the video producer at the University of Sunderland's Marketing and Communications Department. And of course, thanks to MXI. I'm a bit in love with this band. I don't know if you can tell, but oh, gorgeous sound. On next week's 99% Perspiration, episode 21, we'll be departing from the traditional formula and featuring a few guests, all who work in radio. It was recently the Student Radio Association's training day in the Northeast and Yorkshire region, and we caught up with some of the speakers. But until next time, stay productive, stay awesome. <laughs>